0: One night in 1971 on a lonely North Carolina highway, a head-on car crash cost a young driver his family and very nearly his life. His doctors were sure he would never move again, but he triumphed over his disability and went on to become the wildest hero of all. Because he's real, Stanley presents The Human Fly. The Comic Book Time Machine presents Marvel's Cosmic Comics. Exploring Marvel's licensed sci-fi and fantasy during the Star Wars period. Episode 121, Human Fly, Issue Number 19, A Gathering of Vultures, Part 2, High Wire to Heaven. Cover date March, 1979. Hello fellow time travelers, I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and this is the comic book time machine, and it is time for us to travel back in time once again to 1979, sort of, Uh, because this is actually on sale date was November 1978, but the cover date March 1979, and that tends to be what people, you know, if we're going to talk about something, we're going to talk about the cover date, right, because it's there on the cover, we're not going to talk about the on sale date, which is found on Mike's Amazing World dot com, which is, as I've said many, many times, the best resource for anything to do with comic books, especially comic books from the past. And if you're going to be, you know, setting the the dial on your comic book time machine, this is the best place for the this is the best resource for you to to know where to set your dial to. So. Set my dial for that November 28th, 1978. Went straight away to the the shelf there. And there was the human fly. Still only 35 cents. And you got the guy. He's on his motorcycle. He's driving across a rope, across the canyon. There's someone with a gun. And this cover is by Bob Layton. And I am getting ahead of myself. This is the podcast about the Marvel licensed comic books. Specifically, the human Fly. And so what that means is simply this. I'm covering comic books that have very little to do with the famous superheroes, your Spider-Man, your X-Men, all that kind of thing. No, no, no. I'm focusing in on things like this guy, the human fly, the wildest superhero ever, because he's real. And this is the final issue of the human fly making this podcast for the time being. It won't stay that way. It won't stay that way because the fire and water network has a human fly comic book podcast that's out there and they are chugging along much faster than I am. And so I am not going to remain the definitive human fly podcast, but for right now, as of this episode, this is the definitive, the human fly podcast podcast covered all 19 issues and that makes the comical time machine the definitive podcast indexing the human fly and 2001 a space odyssey and logan's run and man from atlantis that's not something to be sneezed at i don't know what that means but don't sneeze at it please i mean it helps If you're covering something that no one cares about, you know, that the fact that there's two human fly podcasts out there really doesn't surprise me because there's so many podcasts out there. And, and I don't know how big of an audience there is for the human fly. Doesn't matter. There is an audience if, if nothing else. Me, <laughs> I'm i'm my own audience. I'm reading the things I would like to hear about on podcasts, and then I'm podcasting about them because I'd like to hear about them in a podcast. So, anyway, this is the final issue. And so, if you'd like to, you can go to the comicbooktimemachine.com and these uh, different categories of all the different uh, comics that I'm covering with Marvel's licensed comics. There are categories you can click on and find all the human fly episodes. But I'm going to go ahead and click around a little bit here and let's see here. Human fly. Filter that out. And that is if you're looking at Marvel's Cosmic Comics, it's episode number 18, number 22. Number 27, number 33, number 36, number 40, number 47, number 52, number 58, number 66, number 73, 78, 84, 89, 96, 102, 108, 116. I just threw a whole bunch of numbers at you, but if you go to the podcast website, take a look at this blog post, I will have links to a page. (laughs) I shouldn't say links. I will have a link to the page where you can see all of the human fly podcast episode blog posts all in one one spot if you want to cover to take a look at them. So, yes, this is the final issue. This is it. This is the end of the experiment, the end of Marvel's experiment. Now, my big question is, did they know? Did they know that this was going to be the final issue? And the answer is yes. And the answer is no. I don't think that they knew that this was going to be the final issue when they were actually writing and drawing and compiling the materials for this. But before this went to print, they did find out and they did know. Now, one thing that is not a bad thing here is that We don't end on a cliffhanger that's not going to be resolved because of the episodic nature of this comic book. As I said before, I have compared this comic book to television shows of this kind, where you have the hero traveling the land and going into a place, finding a problem, solving the problem, and then leaving to go to the next adventure in another place, the A-team. Knight Rider, The Fugitive, The Incredible Hulk, The Immortal. All of these shows are very similar to this where you just have that traveling do-gooder. And that's exactly what this is. Now, if they had canceled with the previous issue, it would have been a problem because this was a two-part story. But they did not. They finished the two-part story so we don't end on a cliffhanger where we don't know what's going to happen to this character and you know, sometimes that would happen in the 70s where you would have a series end mid-storyline, like Omega the Unknown, for example, and then it would get resolved in another series five, ten years later. But that is not possible with licensed books, because if you cancel the licensed book, you know what's going to happen. You, if you're gonna do any kind of update, you are going to have to relicense the book so while this issue doesn't read like the final story featuring the human fly it doesn't have to because the human fly just had episode 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 done 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 supporting cast moves along with him and there you go so as I was saying, did they know that this was going to be the final one? I, I imagine that there was probably an, an episode or an, I keep saying episodes, an issue number 20 that they were maybe prepping. But if you look at the letters page, they didn't know. At least when they were doing the letters page. Now, the letters page is kind of weird. It's fly papers, as we've talked about before. Months and months ago. Um The fly papers letters page has just a ton of little flies drawn all over the thing. What's funny about these flies, and there's dozens of them, but what's funny about them is I have a book series that I've written called Time Flies. And whenever I sign a copy of Time Flies, I will draw a fly very similar to what you have here with just a dot and two wings and a line to indicate motion. And that's, you know, it's not, it's not the highest form of art that I can produce, but it's pretty close. And so I sign it, be strong and courageous, Ben Avery. And then I draw a fly. And then if someone has bought a multiple volumes, I will also do a spider because the main, main bad guy in time flies is a time traveling spider. But anyway, that's kind of funny to me. I just don't understand like why on this particular thing they chose to do this. And it's also funny because they have an ad for the Micronauts. They came from interspace. The Micronauts are here. And it's your typical thing that they would put on there on other letter pages and other comics for this month. But this one has flies landing on the letters of Micronauts. And it's it's kind of funny. Uh, I, I couldn't help but wonder if they did this because they knew this was the last issue and this was like a last minute addition to this, or if this was just the way it was going to look <laughs> but anyway, in these letters, they have different things here. They have um, a no prize letter. They have a letter that gives a suggestion for a sidekick rescue boy. And the person writing the letter actually signed it rescue boy and, and they actually reply to him. Now we ask you what other comic mag gives you hero to hero correspondence like the human fly? Because, you know, Rescue Boy is writing to human fly. And then a parentheses, it says, now, if Rescue Boy would send a snapshot, we'd include him in the Fly's adventures, which suggests to me that they thought they were moving forward. There was a letter that ends with. By the way, how are sales on the human fly? Hopefully, good. The book's still monthly. I'm interested in seeing how well an action adventure comic with only occasional violence sells. Till the fly gets swatted, make mine Marvel. Which apparently, this is the issue where uh, Matt Kaufman from Urbana, Illinois <laughs> stopped making his Marvel. And they said, uh, like you said, Matthew, the fact that The Fly is well on his way into his second year as a comic book character must say something about his success in the medium. We're hoping the next year will be as encouraging as the first, especially in character development and plot twists, while we attempt to add an element of drama that Bill has said he felt the book was lacking. The current storyline was conceived to correct precisely that lack of drama. Again, suggesting there is thought about the future here. Uh, There is an update at the end of the fly of the, the fly papers page where it says Frank Robbins is taking an extended leave of absence while he relocates to sunny Mexico, Raj. But with the return of Lee Elias, the fly's premier artist, we guarantee that the human fly will continue to satisfy our demanding readership. And so you have all that happening in the fly papers letter page. But then when you turn to the final page of the story. You have a, well, uh, Harmony White is sitting at her typewriter. And this is actually part of the story that we'll talk about. But there's papers just flying away from her typewriter. And one of the papers, it, you can see it. And it's a typewritten style of, of, of writing here. And it says, an important announcement from the Marvel bullpen. This is the final issue of The Human Fly, the wildest hero ever. Much to all of our regret Ending the fly here also means that the human fly stunt contest ends as well, but we thought it'd be nice to mention the five winners whose creative stunt ideas might have appeared in these pages. All have received an autographed page of original human fly artwork. And then it lists five people with their addresses, <laughs> their home addresses are listed here. They got doxed in a comic book, which is not unusual, but uh, it says, thanks for coming along for the wildest ride in years. It's been fun. And this whole story is narrated by Harmony White. Uh, she is writing her story for her TV reporting. And this panel is half of a page. It's her typing. And the page is, like I said, flying off the, off the typewriter. And she ends her narration saying, Thus ends this WEST TV special report produced and written by correspondent Harmony White. But the human fly legend lives on. And so here we have a definitive end to this comic book, a comic book based on a stunt man who was a real person based on a stunt man who did real life stunts based on a stunt man who donated money to charities and did things to help people who needed help a real life superhero in that way as well and used his, his, uh, his fame and his platform to help other people, and one of the things he used his fame and his platform for was to have this comic book series made. So, yes, here we are. This is the final story. Let's take a look at the story. Got my notes here. Got my comic book here, and we're gonna allow Harmony White to help us tell the story. But our opening splash page had it just picks up from the last issue. Human Fly is fighting. Uh, Frank Sturgis's goons and not wanting to fight them. He doesn't want to. He doesn't like violence and this comic book says over and over again he doesn't like violence. It's a Gathering of Vultures Part 2, High Wire to Heaven and then we have our crew that created this comic book. Uh, As I said before, the cover is by Bob Layton, an artist who I love and and a writer who I love as well. Because he did the Hercules comic book, which I really enjoyed as a kid and then as an adult as well. This comic is written by Bill Mantlow, who has taken this thing and just ran with it. Like he is one of, I think, one of the greatest heroes in comic book creators of the 70s. Um, he just takes things like this and is able to take it and make it into something. Better than it deserves. Then you have Lee Elias as the the artist. Um, R. Villamante as the Inkerer. Diana A. The Letterer. Elaine H. The Colorist. Alan Milgram. The Editor. And Jim Shooter. The Editor-in-Chief. Like I said, the narration is all Harmony White. Reporting for WEST-TV West Television. And she writes and says, The night shadows fell across the Hopi Indian reservation of Las Cruces, bringing forth suppressed hatreds and the reek of greed. The hired thugs closed ominously in on the human fly, his crew and the Indian maiden Chatima. They were paid to maim, but their mood was murderous. And that is all Bill Mantlow <laughs> is amazing. And I, there are times when, I've read some stuff, especially earlier than this, where you just feel like he's kind of phoning things in and he's just kind of just doing the superhero story that needs to be done. But when he takes this human fly, he just really, I feel like you're seeing him grow from issue one to issue 19. And then, of course, he's taking on some other things, you know, in the future here that are going to be just plain. Amazing. And again, better than it deserves. And it's because you have Bill Mantlo just unleashing his imagination. That's my opinion. But yeah, I just love it. Love it. Again, uh, we have Harmony White and she is recounting what's going on here. It's all narrating. This is where we get into a little bit of there's a lot of uh, telling and showing at that moment emerging from the shadows. And then you have a kid come out and he gets involved. He gets hit. And the fly saw the boy fall, saw blood trickle from his already swelling lip. He'd been tricked into agreeing to perform at Las Cruces by Frank Sturgis. Were he to back out, Sturgis would rip off the $10,000 promotional fee from the tribe's treasury. But were he to go on with his stunt, he would be desecrating the tribe's most sacred ceremony. Sturgis held all the cards but the fly didn't have to like it. And then he starts unleashing his punches and, uh, while well, swinging around his, his pimp cane violence, the one thing the human fly abhors above all else. The greed that had made Las Cruces, a feasting ground for human vultures had made the pueblo a breeding place for violence. Those who opposed Frank Sturgis's domination were taught lessons, quote unquote, lessons which could sometimes be, as in the case of Nacquatch's grandfather, quite fatal. But the human fly had been instructed in the ways of survival by a close encounter with the grimmest taskmasters of all, death. He would emerged from that experience with both his physical form and his principles intact. And he wasn't about to surrender either to the armed thugs of a malevolent mercenary. That is pop poetry at its greatest. And then along with that, you have Lee Elias doing just some very energetic. I think that's the best word for it. Energetic artwork where he is there there's just motion on the page and so you have poetry in panelled motion and then you have pop poetry in the narration and so when the dust settles the bad guys run away and human fly goes with the child to his uncle's place and this is where you have him sit down with the people of the tribe and harmony write harmony white <laughs> harmony white writes ahote Chatimas and Nahuatl's uncle was incredibly ancient. It was said he signed the first treaty, which formed Las Cruces Pueblo. And he says, I welcome you. He says to know our tribe, you must know our legends, which I love that line Uh, to know anyone. You need to know their stories. You need to know their story and to know a group of people. You need to know their story as a group. And then, especially as you're getting into things like this, where you have, um, racial memories and you have stories that have lasted and have been a part of a people group's identity. Identity is just wrapped in story. And it's something that has been coming up in a couple different places for me. I'm reading The Expanse right now. And one of the books talks about how story is the only truth people really understand. And you have facts, but then you have the stories that go with the facts, and people are more likely to listen to the story. And that's a good thing and a bad thing. But if you look at religions, if you look at family get-togethers, what happens in a family get-together? Stories are told and laughed about and cried over. And so you have here this this man saying, to know our tribe, you must know our legends and then he goes and, and gives this whole legend thing where they could have in the artwork shown the actual like mythological figures. But instead it shows the ceremony celebrating that and shows the you know people dancing in the fire or around the fire. But the panels are shaped as flames. And this page is really, really neat. And so you have them say, first there was Takpela, endless space in the mind of the creator. Then did Taoa Taw, give life to Satanang, creator of all ceremonies, god of the universe, that he might bring order. In his turn, did Satangwang create the earth and seeing it lifeless, did bring forth Koking Watui. Wat, Watui. Yeah the spider woman to populate the barren world the ancient spider woman took some earth in her mouth mixed it with saliva and created the twins it was the twins duty to make the earth firm and life supporting meanwhile the spider woman created trees flowers animals and the races of man in the holy image of satak Satak-Nang. yellow black red and white male and female they emerged in god's image so you have this very to me i think a kind of a universal story happening here The unfortunate thing is I don't know if this is an actual Hopi uh, or Hoppy uh, story from everything that I know about Bill Mantlo is that he is white and here he is kind of creating a myth that feels Native American uh, or First Nation uh, is it's something that feels like that. But it's I don't know if it's real and and there's a fine line to walk between just writing stories that portray another culture and writing stories that become cultural appropriation and so this one it walks it walks that line now it does so with the best of intentions let's, let's just put it that way. It does so with the best of intentions, like the the story ends with him saying, you know, that all all men were created. And then it says, but the racial unity of the moment of creation has been long forgotten. White hates red. Black hates white. White hates yellow. The earth is like onto a precious fruit rotting from without. And and then it gets into the idea of this Frank Sturgis guy who basically I mean, he was running alcohol into the tribe and and just using that to make money using that to um cheat the people and and using that to you know further his own <laughs> tiny empire. Uh meanwhile, you have Human Fly who is just upset because This is horrible. This is something that should not happen. And so there's another thing where you get into the the great white hope, although what's nice is he's there and he helps, but he's not the only one who brings us resolution to to the story. Anyway, this does become kind of a, a, you know, rumination on race and, and race relations, and you clearly have. A a guy here who represents some of the worst stuff that was done to Native Americans. So again, here you have a story that is trying to have the best of intentions, but reading it today, I, I do I can't help but cringe a, a little bit as it goes on. We move through the story. Frank Sturge just finds out what's going on. He's not happy. He said, I kept this here rum-soaked tribal council in line while I robbed the tribe blind, but I can't keep doing it if the fly stirs up trouble. Well, the fly is going to stir up trouble, and they are also going to stir up trouble, but the fly's trouble is actually doing good stuff, and their trouble is interrupting a funeral procession, which is just awful. And then you have the people... Frank Sturgis's people who are yelling racist things about them and and also uh, stopping to sexually harass some people. And that just once again pushes the fly to violence and he fights and wins. And then we move from there to the stunt. And Harmony White writes, it was a dangerous threat to make to a man like Sturgis to him. Killing was merely another business tactic, and with the fly about to ride a rocket cycle across the bottomless misty gorge, there would be plenty of opportunities for murder. So you have him getting ready for the stunt. What's the stunt? Well, the stunt is he's going to ride his motorcycle over a tightrope. I mean, that is the uh, high wire to heaven. And why is it the high wire to heaven? Because he get killed. He could get killed and fall and die and head on his way to heaven from there the stunt gets set up and we have three things going on we know that there's bad things afoot because there's a guy with a gun but there's also uh one of the the tribe is there she has a projector her film school projector which will allow her to make a perfect projection screen on the mists and then this will kind of allow his stunt to tie in with with the tribe and not desecrate their their holy day there but become kind of a part of it and of course there's the bad guys they're teasing him they're yelling at him they don't you know they're 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 awful people and of course there's the guy with with the rifle and he's about to shoot and before he gets a chance to the projector comes on and well, let's let Harmony White tell us the story. This is what's interesting, is that there's a lot of showing and telling going on at the same time. Let's see here. Angry eyes peered from red faces, voices whispered sacrilege. While among the whites, Sturgis's men, all, a carnival atmosphere reigned. While searching through the crowd, and then this is where the kid sees the guy with the gun, Knockwatch followed the cowboy at a distance while just below the edge of Misty Gorge, and that's where she's setting up her projector. But from there on, it was in the hands of the gods. But the fly was already past blame or forgiveness. He was rocketing at 160 miles per hour towards the curling mist from which Misty Gorge derived its name and toward a slender high wire that would, if all went right, carry him to the other side. A mighty big if... And as Nackwatch wondered what to do because he sees the guy with the gun, his cousin prepared for the highlight of the human flies stunt ride, which is to project the people against the mist. And so she suppresses her doubts. She doesn't know if she should do this, but she does it. She starts the movie projection, and Harmony White says, But Chatima suppressed her doubts and started the movie projection. Eerie images slowly came into focus against the swirling mists, noble images, standing proud, representations of hoppy gods. There seemed to be Sotoknag, God of the Universe, and Kokiangwuti, the Spider Woman, and they seemed to be welcoming with outstretched arms the human fly. And though he knew they were but fantasies of filmmaker's art, he too was odd. But not everyone shared his fascination because you got bad guys there. <laughs> and so before the guy can take the shot, the kid jumps on his back, kicks him in the head. The bullet misses the fly, misses the bike, hits the wire, <laughs> and snaps it. But as he falls, he's able to uh, kick in with those cycle rockets and heads straight up and course crashes the bike and everyone comes to run to him but he is fine and now we have two pages to wrap things up so the bad guys come the members of the tribe are there and they outnumber the bad guys the white guys and frank Sturgis says hey can't we talk this over like civilized adults And so the human fly turns his back, walks away as a brawl begins. And this time, Harmony White writes, or Bill Mantlo writes, and this time the human fly had no trouble whatsoever in walking away from violence. Thus ends this special report. So I I do think it's kind of interesting. You've got a couple different themes happening, and one of the themes is, you know, coming together Having racial reconciliation, having positive racial relationships between uh the people of the tribe and the white people that um well that human fly represented and and then you also have just the the violence where they <laughs> just totally beat up on the the bad guys now i I laugh a little bit because it's actually satisfying to see you know and so I, I'm not sure what to make of that other than it is absolutely satisfying to see the people of the tribe take matters into their own hands and they don't let him off. <laughs> Frank Sturgis is not getting on, uh, not getting a, a pass with this and he's not even getting sent to jail. Um, he's, he's getting physically uh, beaten up. So what does it mean? I don't know if it means anything, really. I mean, I don't know what Bill Mantlo intended to say with that statement where Human Fly just turns his back on it and and walks away. But I think Human Fly in some ways is just relieved that he doesn't have to do the fighting anymore because he doesn't like to do the fighting. But he definitely approves of what's going on behind him as he walks away. So, Anyway, that is the final issue of the Human Fly. And what a ride. What a ride. Is it the worst thing ever? No, absolutely not. Is there some bad stuff in this series? Yes, absolutely there is. But again, I feel like this license book gets a creative team that's better than it deserves. And it is good. I enjoyed it. I'm so glad I read it. I'm so glad I did this podcast about it. I know it's taking a long time to get through things. And I know that I'm excited about other things that are coming up in the future, but that it's going to take a long time to get to them because it's just taking a long time to get to them. Will I get to everything? I doubt it. (laughs) I doubt it. But I am going to keep chugging along as I can and, and keep checking off these things. And, you know, I, I might switch up the the style. I don't know. I might switch up the style after this month is done and do like a month at a time again where we used to do those kind of omnibus episodes. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'll take to reading through a storyline and things and 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 index things that way. I hate to move away from doing one issue at a time just because that's the way i've done it for 121 episodes that's the way i've i've done it here on the comic book time machine that's the way that the time machine has worked but maybe the time machine needs to change and be flexible i don't know if you have any thoughts about that i would love to hear them if you, if you have thoughts one way or the other you know, or if you just have thoughts saying, hey, Ben, do what you want to do, because I, I have a feeling that's what most people are are thinking right now is, you know, do what you want to do. I'd love it if you did it this way, but I don't mind you doing it this way because you know what? You're doing what you want to do, and that's what podcasting is. But anyway, contact me. The, uh, the, uh, the new email address that I have to use right now is studioavery at gmail.com. So Studio Avery, one word, no spaces, Avery at gmail.com. And that's because I've had some issues with GoDaddy. I keep having more and more issues with GoDaddy. I don't even know what to do with this most recent issue that I'm having with them. It's requiring me, I think, to have to try and hire a web developer to help me to migrate things from GoDaddy's old server to a new server. I don't understand and that's why I'm probably going to have to hire someone. And that, that just stinks because, you know, I'm podcasting, but this is the kind of podcast where I'm not getting like a million dollars from Spotify. Uh, I'm not getting a dollar from, <laughs> from Spotify, but uh, I'm trying to make it work. I mean, this is one of those things that I'm, I'm linked to and I, I have to, you know, do things to make it work. And, and so I'm, I'm looking into it, but anyway. You know, contact me at studioavery at gmail.com. Let me know what you think. Uh, if I changed up the format, if you would care or not. And you know, let me know what, what kind of things you're excited about. I'm excited about a lot of different things with in the comic book world. Um, I just finished issue 10 of Swamp Thing. That series is wonderful, and there's some news about that. And I've got – there's another new Swamp Thing series that's starting up with DC's Black Label. And there was uh, Aaron Loprestri had a, a graphic novel just come out that is uh, Garbage Man, which is another swamp monster kind of thing. But Aaron Loprestri is the guy who worked with Steve Gerber on on Sludge and – Yeah, I'm actually trying to buy less comics and I'm actually going to try and get rid of comics. I think I've talked about this before, but I'm trying to get rid of comics and I'm not going to read again. Um, But I also just accumulated a stack of DC Star Trek comics and completed my run of the two different uh, the two DC comics Star Trek runs. And uh, actually I'm missing Star Trek number 62 from the second series. So it's not quite completed, but it's close. It's close. It's getting there. So there's a lot of things happening that I'm excited to read, but it's just also not a lot of time. And yeah. So with all that said, I want to thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for spending time with me. Thank you so much for spending time with me and The Fly. And until next time, Godspeed. Next on Marvel's Cosmic Comics, Combatra and Dangard Ace join Rady to battle the elementals of evil Shogun Warriors number two.